You're listening to the Tuesday Talks podcast, your source of truth in communications, identity management, and technology. Coming up in today's episode, Rebecca and Anise have an honest conversation around branded calling, including the expectations you should hold, considerations before implementing, the results you may get and which to measure for, and the potential payoff of adding branded calling solution to your reputation strategy. Welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we bring truth and shed light across the brand identity and the communications industry. I'm Rebecca Johnson, founder and CEO of Numerical, and I'll be co-hosting today's session with Anise Jaffer, Chief Product Officer at Numerical. Anise, so good to have you again. Hey, Rebecca. Glad to be here again. Uh, Looking forward to today's topic. Yes. So today's topic, branded calling, I mean, what more could be said? I feel like we've said so much. Um, Up to this point, we've talked a lot about, you know, what branded calling is, the various different forms in which the industry is supporting it. But now it's time to switch over into looking at branded calling from the perspective of what are the value and the challenges uh, that come with branded calling? Because we have some lessons learned. We've been out there, we've been trying it. So as one of the latest disruptive technologies enter the telecom space, branded calling is essentially, you know, still one of the least understood uh, new features. This technology, which is powered by what we call RCD or rich call data, it allows a company's brand name and or logo. Brand name, and or logo. And there's gonna be a reason why I'm emphasizing that. We'll cover that later. Uh, But what it allows is for that information to be displayed to wireless subscribers on an incoming call screen. So when successfully implemented, RCD will empower consumers with more call information so they can make the right choices in the moment of an incoming call and also have the trust to answer the calls that are important to them. But there are a lot of considerations to understand before you can make the judgment call of whether or not this technology is right for your business right now. So Anise, let's start off by reviewing really the current state of affairs, exploring the options around implementing you know, branded calling. So we're gonna take a look at what are the distribution options for the solution, the market challenges, how to manage the solution, and how the solution addresses the market need for control over brand identity. All right, so there are currently multiple options available. However, they're all tied to one provider uh, on a particular carrier or the other. There is not one single option that's available across all carriers, right? So that's one um, data point that we should be aware of. And the other thing is, this is not the RCD passport on Strashaken. So that is still a long way uh, to go before we get there. Uh, ideally, that would be the right solution across carriers where you can attach a logo and a name uh, to a, ideally to a Strashaken certificate, call gets signed with it, and then whoever receives the call can then display that name, call recent logo, uh, that would be your end state, but we are not there yet. Um, while those discussions are uh, taking place, standards are getting implemented, what we have today uh, as branded calling uh, 
um, there are multiple solutions. One on uh, the carriers, each one have their own providers. Uh, for example, T-Mobile uses Pistorian, uh, Verizon uses TNS, uh, AT&T has Hiya, and all these providers have their uh, offering of branded calling solution. And then you have another um, solution that's across carriers is one small solution, which is Google Verified, which is provided by Google, but that is only effective on uh, Google provided Pixel phones or pure Android um, uh, devices. Now, there's a slight difference in each uh, of how they offer. Uh, for example, Google has got logo and call reason, but First Ryan and DNS uh, have name only. Uh, First Ryan has got another product called Engage, which, which could include logo, but it's still not widely used or adopted. And then Hiya, which, which has got name and logo, depending on which end user device and options are enabled on that device. So that's the current landscape of how it looks like. Um, I don't know if uh, if it's all too much, but we'll we can you know we can unpack that a little bit as we talk. Yeah, I think what you covered is kind of the point that I was making in the distinction, and we're going to repeat this a lot. Is that this rich call data comes in the form of name only, and or name and logo. So a lot of times people come to us and there's a lot of marketing and promotions of this beautiful, rich experience with the logo. It looks super fancy, but it's just not reality that that's how your call is going to be displayed. Um, there's still value in having control over the name, but I think it's really important for enterprises to be very knowledgeable when looking at branding and understand and be accepting of the fact that you can't get your logo everywhere. Um, there are limitations at devices, which we have covered in previous uh, podcasts, and also consumer choices. And then it comes down to iOS versus Android. So it's it's way more complex uh, to be able to distribute at the logo level, but at least at the name, um, that has a much greater reach, at least you know from the consumer perspective. So Nice, uh, let's let's look at specifically though on the solutions that are being offered, you know, how do they differ and how are they alike? Because there's really important um, kind of underlying theme. They all provide names and logo, but how you in- interact with these solutions is not the same. Right. So how are they uh, different? Google is slightly different than the rest, right? Um, because Google verified uses what is called as an out-of-band methodology to uh, transfer data. So from a technology perspective, Google Verified uh, is different than the other three uh, solutions that are out there. First Ryan, TNS, Haya all uh, use what is called as a static methodology where you, you you input the data uh, an enterprise, what numbers they use, what logo called reason, and that gets um, stored in their database and used the, and, and they use that information at termination for providing the branded uh, display. So in, from a technology perspective, that's the big difference. Uh, Google Verified is more out of band where you would have to use an API to push the data, uh, whereas other solutions, um, FO, uh, that's first try and TNS and Haya uses more, a little bit more static data. Now, FO also first try and also has something called first try and engage, which is similar to Google, uh, but that's not 
yet fully um, adopted. It's it's still early um, from a product perspective. I I do think that's moving in the right direction, though, because it does provide a little bit more uh, security around it. And we can touch on that a little bit later. But uh, one thing um, that is alike is that branding is only available through one avenue for each of the wireless carriers as the current state. So, right, there's, uh, as as you mentioned, Anise, you've got First Orion. So if you want to get to the T-Mobile network, you got to go through First Orion. If you want to get to the AT&T network, you got to go through Hia. If you want to get to the Verizon network, you got to go through TNS. Uh, so there's really no single avenue where you can find branding across the carrier. What's interesting, though, is that we are seeing um, at least um, the, I would say the wireless carriers at least coming together to try to figure out how do we turn on branding in a broader scope, right? How do we offer more access? And I think that's what we're kind of seeing in the media um, press releases with regards to um, CTIA with uh, T-Mobile. They had a press release around best practices. So I think it is positive that at least the carriers are looking to hopefully streamline, but I know that their focus is definitely more on the trust of the information that is being presented to the consumers. Because this is a really hard one um, for, you know, for the terminating care to know that that information that's being provided, if it is, um, you know, if it is numerical calling, then it is numerical's logo and it's not somebody posing to be somebody else. Um, so I think I think the mass adoption side of branding is not quite there yet because we still have some areas that we need to focus on for the security side of it, which is why I think it makes sense why each one of the wireless carriers is focused on on one avenue into their network. It, it allows for a little bit more control uh, over who is accessing and delivering data. But, you know, with that... <laughs> um, there comes, uh, you know, an approval process and an onboarding. So it can take quite a while. Uh, don't think that if you want branding, you sign a contract and your calls are instantly being branded. Um, so there is a process and, and it can take some while. Anise, I know you've got some experience uh, on managing numericals, you know, branded solution through each of these providers. Do you have some, you know, kind of light you can shed on that? Yeah, it, uh, as I said, it... it... It involves uh, some uh, some effort, uh, and what we've seen is um, the timeline varies. Uh, for example, our existing clients who already use Reputation, their identities are verified. They have number profiles on our system, numbers attached. So that first heavy lifting is done. Then we push the data when we enable the some of these numbers for branded calling. Uh, typically, it takes about two to four days. Um, it could vary slightly depending on where they are, what you know, what kind of uh, um, effort number of numbers that we have, and how much what what kind of profiles we are pushing. So it may change, take two to four days if everything is done right. If the if the first part of verification is not done, then that adds a little bit more time. However, we are also seeing that the processes on on the provider side is also evolving. Uh, so we are also noticing that in certain cases, it could take longer to finalize. So the whole setup takes a while before they get internal approvals, setting up the systems, and then updating the, their algorithms. It takes uh, it takes some time. Uh, 
Now on Google, um, in addition to what um, the branding provider does, uh, I mean setup needs to be done. There is also a verification that Google does on their own, where you would typically have some emails that you have to accept. And then once that is done, um, the, uh, the program is set up. And then you need to still do the API integration on the client side. So before you make a call, you'll have to call an API. So that involves some programming, which we have, depending on where the client is or who are the originating the call is, where their um, developer uh, resources are and what their timeline looks like, that could also uh, take some time. So you have to consider that as well as, as part of setting this up. Yeah, I think that's um, a, a good point, even on the we'll refer to them as like the static ones. That's the first round, TNS and Haya. The gain is that the turnaround time for verification is shorter, right? On the Google verified side, um, the verification step is quite simple, but it's the integration of the API that can drag out an enterprise's ability to leverage this tool. And, and we have experience in that there are some dialer platforms this just doesn't work on. Um, or it's really challenging and you have to pull in the resources where to get up and running with first round TNS and Haya is a little bit simpler uh, to be able to get to live. But the gain you get with a Google Verified is that it is a verified call. There is this registration process, which we've covered in a previous um, podcast, but it, it does add additional more security. So it's really going to back the question, you know, there's there's gains to be had with more security and there's also losses to be had with more security on an efficiency and a turn up time. Um, also, I would say one of the things that we've seen uh, through the verification and onboarding process is that it's very different. <laughs> it's, it's like very different across the board. Um, you know, what data points are being used for qualifying information? Uh, the timeframes, uh, just the expectation of what is the validation process can be a little confusing to enterprises uh, where they might be thinking, um, I am who I am to all of you. Like, why is this a different process each time that I want to onboard? And I, I think the industry is trying to answer that question. I think they're trying to solve for that problem. I'm hopeful 2022 is where um, the carriers can at least come together and kind of figure out, you know, this, this is kind of a common thing amongst all of us. There is this set of data we all expect to receive as part of the validation process uh, in exchange for giving this enterprise access to be able to distribute their branded information down to consumers. So it just takes doing it. It takes, you know, lessons learned and sharing those lessons as an industry for us to get to that point. But it is a hindrance on leveraging branding, I think, from our perspective. So, you know, what are the what are the other challenges that you're seeing, Anise, from that perspective? Uh, addition to, in addition to uh, taking, you know, the setup time involved, uh, we also are looking at the metrics that we get back. Um, it's not it's not the same across the different providers. Uh, they are all different. The data that we get is different, and it isn't. In sometimes it's not comprehensive, um, depending on where they are in terms of in implementing the branded solution. Um, some providers have a little bit more detail versus others who provide very basic information. Um, we are in the process of getting that normalizing so that you know enterprises can can make use of it and meaningfully. Uh, in their contact center uh, solutions, but 
that's another area that's a challenge, right? The metrics that we get back once fronted calls have been enabled. And I think part of why getting the metrics data is it's not due to, uh, I would say it's not due to a lack on any provider's part. Um, it's due to a restriction of the data to flow back to the enterprise because of CPNI. CPNI gets invoked, however you invoke CPNI, uh, onto the validation that RCD was displayed to the number that you called. Um, and then additional metrics data that you might be able to get over that with regards to length of call, um, answered, hung up, whatever it may be. So I, this is an active conversation. Um, I know I'm kind of pushing on the whole concept of, is this really CPNI? Um, we need to have somebody really uh, look into this who is an expert. I'm not an expert on it. Um, but, you know, is it CPNI when the calling provider of the enterprise has delivered a call to a TN, so it is their customer? Um, that telephone number belongs to their customer. They have that number. They know that they're calling that customer at what time of day they're calling the customer. They know what the length of the call is. They know what the consumer answered the call. So they do get a lot of information about the call um, today. And it's been that way for a very long time. Um, so why do we not allow the enterprise to know if that call had you know, a presentation of rich call data? Presenting rich call data tells me nothing, absolutely nothing about the consumer. I will challenge anyone who says otherwise. You can't tie those two together. So um, I think in order for branding to really take off and be adopted, and I mean by true ROI for the enterprise, they have a right to know where they're spending their money and they have a right to know if the spend on that is bringing the company money back as a CEO, Anise, you are not allowed to just blow money. <laughs> I can tell you that. It has to be returning uh, something additional for every dollar I spend. And so I think this is one of the greatest challenges. It's that metrics data um, that the enterprise can get back to truly understand what the value is. And I know that there are talks, and I'll let you kind of speak to this, you know, contact rates. Well, that's not all. <laughs> You know, um, that's not all that's that's important. So uh, I want to real quickly go into, you know, how we talked about this. How does an enterprise prepare to leverage branding? I would have never said this uh, or asked this question a couple, you know, a year ago. But since we've been um, kind of going through this branding journey with quite a few of our customers, I've learned that there's an element of preparedness that you have to have before you go down the pathway of leveraging branding. And, and there's three main points. First is view your reputation management and your branding as two separate strategies. One does not cross out the other. Um, and there will be a reason to that um, and, and a point later. But definitely take control of your reputation management and then also bring on branding. Don't drop one for the other. Number two, understand your current baseline of success prior to branding. That goes back to that ROI. You know, document how you will determine the ROI. And we've learned there's no one set way and that's that contact rate. Contact rates aren't always the place that you wanna look. You might actually not see any changes in your contact rate. Where you might see the improvements is on the conversion 
the results of the call that you had because you were able to present your name, the consumer answer the call, and they have an element of trust that, oh yeah, that that's who said they was calling, that's who's on the line, and they're not questioning whether or not, I mean, I don't, it, it, I don't trust the, you know, who I'm talking to on the call. So that helps, you know, provide into to that aspect of it. Number three is, uh, uh, you know, it takes several months to formulate the right branding strategy. Um, yes, there there is a strategy, and this is not uh, a set it and forget it. Um, so understand your business before you bring on branding, because folks, it's a premium cost to it. It's a premium cost. So um, you know, understand uh, what you're doing in that space. And I'll let you add to anything on that. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would also um, look at the type of campaigns uh, that the branded calling is enabled for, because we know not all campaigns produce equal results. Um, for instance, if you have a campaign that's running for technical support, where you're reaching out to a customer, scheduling a technician, um, that's that's a different call compared to uh, another campaign that's making telemarketing or sales calls. And enabling branding on on the first campaign would, would probably have a much higher rate of success because the customer is expecting a call uh, whereas a telemarketing sales campaign may or may not, right? Depending on on who the uh, the end customer is, so where you want to enable this, given that it is there is pricing involved in this, right? There is a cost associated with this. Pick and choose your campaigns um, on or where you want to enable this. And also, other thing that we have noticed is uh, it's all not uh, only uh, contact rates or answered calls. Uh, we've also seen callbacks um, increased uh, for some clients. So even if the if the customer, when you make a branded call, doesn't pick the first time, uh, the fact that you're using a logo or or even just the name uh, and it's uh, it's authenticated, they call back. Uh, they know that it's uh, you know somebody's trying to reach me, and it's uh, it's a named brand. They they call back. So we've seen that happening. And that's an interesting one because that's a statistic or a metric that the branding provider won't have. It's not like they get access to all the activity uh, for that particular number that was called. So a callback is not going to be something you see within your branding statistics. I would love, and and, and I know that all of our providers are tired of this, and I would say all the providers would say, yeah, this would be great to add to it. Um, but it's a limitation of the carriers. The carriers are the, you know, they own that data. So there's a restriction of the data flow back down to the enterprise. Say, hey, this call led and this calling number go together. Um, I think that our ROI could be a much better and easier view if we can get to that point. Um, because then they could also track it down to the callbacks, you know. Uh, right now it's just, well, they got better. But where can I tie it directly to branding, you know, accounted for 80% of my callbacks? We, we cannot find that level of detail. Um, so, you know, eventually, hopefully that, you know, we will get there. So, you know, with this particular closing statement, I, I do want to acknowledge that, you know, all the providers are working really hard. And I think I've said that several times. Um, but we also want to level set the expectations and provide transparency around the processes and the timeframes and real business considerations. Um, and, you know, we're just talking from a place of coverage to, to all providers. 
And what's interesting, there's also some entrants. There's some other providers that want to come in and, and bring branding at the app level. So I think this is a market in the ecosystem that's going to continue to grow and the consumer will have a lot of choices. So, you know, just understanding where the market is at uh, is really important from that perspective. Yep. Do you, um, in the interest of time, we are about five minutes away before closing. Uh, do we want to take any questions um, before we wrap it up? Yep, let's do it. Molly, are there any questions? Yes. Hello, we do have some questions. So let's start off here. What's the difference between CNAM and branded calling? The way that I like to put it <laughs> is um, branded calling puts the enterprise in the driver's seat of the name that's being presented. Um, you get to choose who uh, is going to be your presentation provider. You can choose T-Mobile, you can choose AT&T, you can choose TNS, you can choose Google. Once you've made those choices, then you can distribute the, the information that you want. And that is the information that will be used by each one of those uh, providers. On CNAM, you're basically updating a database and at the mercy of the carrier, whoever the carrier may be, uh, that they are updating or pulling from the CNM database that you chose to update your information. So it puts you more in a passive role around your identity uh, associated with TN. So um, I think that's definitely something to think about. It's not about cleaning up both sides or both areas. I think you either want to be in the driver's seat or you want to be in the back seat. Pick, pick a spot and that's where you're going to be. Um, so that, that would be my take. Anise, if you want to add anything, I'm not going to go into the technical. I think we're going to be publishing a blog with a little bit more technical details, but that's my high level. Yeah, technically, I think, I mean, you, you kind of touched upon it. CNAM is off of a database, right? And there are multiple CNAM databases. And depending on uh, which service provider is actually receiving the call, they could, you, you're, as an enterprise, your name could have been updated or it could have a different name or wrong information. That's why you see a lot of issues with CNAM uh, because we don't know which um, uh, database the end terminating service provider is using. Uh, with branded, um, specifically on wireless, right? So uh, CNAM is applicable across all numbers, right? Both wireline and uh, wireless um, terminating devices. But branded calling is, uh, is applicable for wireless clients because right now it's the main mobile networks that's offering this through their providers. So that would be another difference that I would highlight. Okay, this next question's a two-parter. So part one, does branded calling help with not being marked as spam by carrier apps or on the device iOS, Android? Um, noticed on iOS, you can silence unknown calls. Will calls with branding no longer be silenced with this setting? Good question, especially number two. I'm going to go with the, the first <laughs> yeah. one, Anise. You think about that second one. Um, so for does branded calling help with not being marked as spam by carrier ops? Remember I made a point that with your branding strategy, you need to have reputation and branding. Look, this I'm, I'm going to talk to you CEO to CEO. This is business to business. Reputation management is far cheaper than branding. You're going to find you don't need to use branding on every single call. So for those calls where you're going to deliver non-branding, you definitely want to protect it from being labeled spam or fraud. Or if you, you do get into that realm of spam, you're at least being uh, notified so that you can do something about it. So 
And uh, to answer your question of if I have branding, will it be labeled spam? From as far as I can tell, it won't be labeled spam. That's a very expensive way to address your spam problem. Um, that shouldn't be why you're doing branding. Branding should be elevating uh, the customer experience and uh, focused on what those key metrics are that you want to drive within your organization. Not good use for spam protection. If you enable branded calling, uh, spam labels would be initially taken off, but that doesn't mean that they don't, they're not gonna run the algorithm, right? So they would still run the algorithm and uh, you can enable branded calling and then if you continue to, if, you know, if somebody continues to make um, like a lot of calls, they could still be treated as spam uh, because they're not gonna take that away. Uh, but, but to answer that first question, it is possible, yes interesting is the ios um molly if i heard it correctly uh, the question was if you enable unknown uh, block unknown calls would branded calling be uh, would, would it would it be allowed is that what i understood out of for this so they noticed that ios yeah. can silence unknown calls will the calls with branding no longer be silent i don't i think the answer is we don't know so we need to do a test yeah uh on that I think if I were to guess, um, Apple would put unknown calls would be anything that's not in your contact list. So if you don't have this number, whether it's branded or not, in if you don't have that number in the contact list, it could be treated as unknown. Oh, about you know on the iOS side, they don't know that it's a branded call. They're just being presented a name. Whether that name came from CNAM or that name comes from the branding. The iOS does not differentiate. Where things might get a little different is our CD passport. So that is when things change. <laughs> so when you have our CD passport and Verstat parameter updated, that flows down to Apple. And when Apple handles that appropriately, then you would you would have this. But we are not there yet. Bottom line, that technology is not there yet. Uh, in the meanwhile, if you have, I think, if you put a number, uh, block unknown numbers, then whether you have name or not, it would still be considered as unknown. I haven't tested it myself, but yes, that would be my guess. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna wrap up here. There are three main points that I wanted um, to share that I think is a key takeaway. Um, first is unlike mature markets uh, and solutions, branded calling calling is still, it's a new market state. Um, it is not, fully developed. So the sellers, the providers, and the buyers are all still in varying stages of readiness for mass adoption. Point two, um, you should be knowledgeable of the current state of branding and how to leverage it for your business. You know, work smarter, not harder, folks. This is very simple. Um, if you are the one bringing branded to your internal team, be knowledgeable where your current state is because you're gonna have to prove the return on the investment. And then on the third point, you know, with this maturing market, hey guys, that means that the market is defining how this is adopted. It's defining the application of the solution based on current needs. The enterprise is the market for this. So you can still kind of define and pressure and push like here's what we want in order for us to leverage these services. So the providers will need to bend to the market for this to truly have value for both the enterprise 
and the consumer. So with that, we'd like to thank all of you for joining us today on an interactive discussion on branded calling. We hope to see you all again in two weeks for our next episode on Tuesday, March 15th. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Tuesday Talks, your source of truth in the communications industry. Our next live session with Rebecca and Anise will be announced soon, but in the meantime, make sure you're registered for the session and save your spot on March 15th at our usual 3 p.m. Eastern time to keep pace with the most up-to-date industry news. We hope to see you there.